Well, it's that time of week again where I do another podcast for Yin's guys. Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name's Corey. This is my podcast, and I do appreciate that you listen. Been another one of those busy weeks for me. I've had a lot of uh, uh, more personal obligations hit me this week with family and things like that. So, yeah, it, it, it's been crazy, crazy busy for me, fitting everything else in. I've been working on my short movie at the same time, actually been doing some great stuff. Uh, just posted a new video vlog thing about it on my uh, YouTube channel, but uh, also uh, been doing other things since that. It, it's a lot of fun so far, but it's very, very time-consuming, and I'm being very picky about things because I, I want to at least get a decent-looking movie, even if the you know the rest of the movie sucks. At least it'll look nice and crisp and you know HD. So yeah, yeah. You know, it was really cool this week, though. I, I got to do this group discussion about a zombie movie, uh, Zombie Lake. <laughs> oh, yeah, 1981. Um, but uh, I, I got in a discussion with three other uh, really fantastic gentlemen that uh, are in the whole podcasting or uh, creative arena here with all of us. Um, it was for a Little Dead Podcast's Mick Pierce. Y'all know McPierce. He's an awesome guy. I was with also Tom Burdinsky, the director, writer, producer of the Italian zombie movie Parts 1 and 2, which Tom is the man, and it was great talking to him again. And also author extraordinaire, great guy, Keith Latch. So, yeah, yeah, that was, it's like the Clash of the Titans right there. <laughs> Except for me, I was just kind of there. But uh, anyhow, no, we had a great, great fun discussion about things. And so uh, that that's for what's going to be called Il Zombo di Tutti Zombie, which translates to Zombie of All Zombies, in which we're going to get together for group discussions. It's going to be like a rotating lineup of people. And uh, McPierce is going to put it in the lineup with a uh, Little Dead podcast. So that is great. Um, but what we're going to need from listeners and from people who are going to uh, tune into this is, uh, are there any zombie movies out there that you would like us to watch and review, you know, independent ones, obscure ones, foreign ones, you know, we're starting off with European, um, you know, the, the whole period there in the 70s and 80s of crazy, crazy European horror uh, came mostly from Italy, but like uh, uh, Zombie Lake is French. We got other ones from Spain, and there's all over Europe, and we had these crazy, like, exploitation zombie films coming out. So that's the vein we've started in, but if you know any cool movies that uh, you'd like us to watch and get together and talk about, then let us know. Let us know. You can, uh, you know, get in touch with me here through the comments on my uh, website. Uh, you could uh, go on over and uh, look up a Little Dead podcast and talk with McPierce. Uh, of course, we're all on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash midnightcory, or you can email me, cory at midnightcory.com, suggest some movies, call the voicemail of death, 814-806-2828, I'll say the number really fast so you can't recall it. <laughs> Oh, uh, but no, that's a lot of fun. That's uh, going up here real soon, if it hasn't already. So go over to A Little Dead Podcast and check out our group discussion of uh, Zombie Lake.
So, I'm going to be talking about all kinds of stuff here on the podcast today. I'm only going to have one movie review, and it's the continuation of my uh, kind of walkthrough zombie movie history here. And we're at 1941 with King of the Zombies. Now, uh, I told you that this, I think, was going to be a more serious one. And here, uh, it's, I don't know, it's not really, I don't know. It's more of a comedy thing. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> But it turns out I'd never seen this one before, and uh, so this is the first time I've watched King of the Zombies, and I'm, I'm going to tell you all about that. Now, I watched more movies than this this week. I, I watched a couple other ones, and I was going to review uh, Brain Damage, which is a Frank Henenlotter film, and Misfit Boy recommended it this week. So I went and picked it up, and uh, I gave it a watch, and I was blown away, absolutely blown away. And interestingly enough, Frank Henenlotter is going to be one of the guests at Horror Realm this year. A lot of cool conventions coming up. Horror Realm, uh, Cinema Wasteland, and also the Eerie Horror Film Fest. So all three of those in uh, September and October here, and that's going to be a blast. But I've decided I'm probably going to end up doing kind of a, a whole series of Frank Henenlotter films because he also directed Basket Case, Basket Case 2 and 3, Frank and Hooker. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, I want to go probably talk about all these films. So <laughs> I'm going to hold off um, because I'm going to start with Basket Case because that came before Brain Damage. And then we'll kind of go and, and talk about Frank Henenlotter for a few episodes. And that'll be a lot of fun. So that's what I'm saving you for. And then I'll actually get to talk to him in Horror Realm. So yeah, yeah, great. Uh, anyhow, review of beers from Brian in Colorado once more, which is awesome. Um, I got some feedback, some uh, voicemails of death, which is great. Great. Finally had a couple of those come through. Got original music, uh, all kinds of other stuff. But uh, first, let me talk about uh, this Hammer House of Beer. This sounds really interesting. I'm going to read this right off of their website because everybody needs to know about this, especially if you like beer, like me and Brian in Colorado. But this is the Buxton Brewery Company Limited. They've signed a contract with Kulabi, which represents Hammer Films licensing worldwide, to produce three Hammer-themed beers for the European market. And uh, that's that's kind of a bummer to me because I'd love to try these beers. I would love to, but I don't know if they will export them to me here in the States. But here's what we got. We got Coffin Ale, a very pale ale, Dracula's Desire, a deep blood red bitter, and the very strong full-bodied IPA Curse of Frankenstein. They're going to be in bottles and on draft here uh, from September onward. Each will have a label or a beer pump clip illustrated with a classic film poster image from the library of Hammer Films. So how cool is that? The draft version of these beers will initially be made available to pubs as guest ales in the area supplied by the Buxton Brewery Company Limited. And the bottled beers will be sold through off-licenses and supermarkets and online through independent retails and the hammerhouseofbeer.com website. Bottles and casks will also be made available to interested outlets throughout Europe. So that sounds awesome. I, I would love to just be able to collect these bottles. And uh, <laughs> that is just really cool. But I'll put you up a link to the Hammer House of Beer or you can go and check more about this out. But I, I found that really, really interesting. And uh, somebody on Twitter gave this to me this week, and I didn't write it down, so I feel bad about that. I apologize, but I do appreciate that. 
And here's some stuff from real life. Oh boy, I finally <laughs> got off my ass and decided to look up a couple articles for you guys. Uh, enjoyment. And uh, certainly for my own enjoyment. And uh, the first one, this is just disturbing stuff. Two infant skeletons found in a 1920s Los Angeles building. Yeah, they were cleaning out this old building that was built in the 1920s in good old Los Angeles. And when they were taking out a wall or something like that, they found the skeletons of two infants stuffed into, like, doctor's bags and stuff and stuffed into this wall. And uh, so now the police are investigating it and they're trying to figure out. They're going back through their records of who lived there. And they said that it's at least decades old. These bodies are at least, uh, you know, a couple decades old. So that's crazy. That was on uh, actually bbc.co.uk. So i uh, give you a link. You can read more about that. And uh, this other one is about the great state of Ohio. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to diss Ohio or anything, but I kind of do. <laughs> you know, it's like I have a lot of friends and relatives, people that live in Ohio, and it's nothing personal. I just hate Ohio. Oh, I hate Ohio. First of all, to drive across Ohio, you know, I just might as well get my eyeballs gnawed out because it is deathly boring. Oh my God, and I've had to do it so many times. I hate driving across that state. And when you're driving across that state, you got to deal with the idiot state police in Ohio. And they are idiots. <sighs> Believe you me. So, you know, and I have more reasons than that uh, to uh, not really prefer Ohio. And like I said, to everybody living there, it's nothing personal. It's just the state in general. <sighs> Bothers me. And here's something else that bothers me about Ohio. Now I can add it to my list. And that is that Ohio's bedbug battle escalates with EPA crisis meeting. The bedbug situation in Ohio, and especially Cincinnati, they mentioned Cincinnati in this article, the bedbugs have got so bad that people are sleeping on the streets now. They can't even live in their apartments anymore. Yeah, yeah, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and so that's Cincinnati. I, I can't really like Cincinnati either. It, it's a beautiful city. I've actually driven through Cincinnati countless times. Uh, you know, down going down through into Kentucky and everything. And it, it's it's nice to drive through. But uh, I just can't like a city that uh, has Carson Palmer uh, as their quarterback. I, I just can't. I just can't. I, I despise that little boy, you know? <laughs> He's, oh, oh. Okay, enough of that. I'm sorry to everybody who lives in Ohio. <laughs> but there are a couple articles that I got for you this week. And just an update... Now, on Twitter drama, there was none this week. So let's all, let's all be thankful. I'm going to raise my beverage and drink to um, you know everybody being happy with me this week on Twitter. However, in an upcoming voicemail of death, we're going to have my friend Zombie Frida address that a little bit, and uh, which is really cool. So, yeah, let's get on with the rest of the show. I'm doing a couple of film soundtracks. I'm doing a record of... Um, of 60s Italian music with an orchestra that I'm really psyched about. Uh, I'm doing a record with Dan the Automator. I'm doing a record with Amon Tobin. Um, me and Rozelle are going to do a record. I mean, there's, you know, there's always stuff to do. You don't need to look very far. And these are all things that really I've been wanting to do for five years. So, in a strange way, are you hearing this? What year are we in? Forgive me, but Wolf Mother, you suck. 
me? Am I crazy? Can I get an amen? But it's only, it's only like it's only six Oh my god! Enough already! Are people that stupid? I guess they are. How was it? I don't even have to say it. You you got ears. Beer, 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 beer. Review of beers this week by Brian in Colorado. In honor of your zombie film retrospective, I think it would be nice to hear about a horror-themed wheat beer with a familiar name. The brewery in question operates in Catawba Valley, located in the foothills of the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains. Owners Scott and Billy Pyatt, along with Billy's wife Jetta, launched Catawba Valley Brewing Company with equipment purchased from a defunct Boulder, Colorado brewery. They brewed their first beer in the basement of a two-story building, originally the site of a textile mill. Working with 175 kegs, the trio opened a keg-only operation, serving only the local area, though expansion is leading to other locations, including Charlotte. Scott spends a lot of time delivering. A phone call to the brewery is likely to yield a phone message. If we're not here, we're delivering beer. White Zombie Ale is a Belgium-style wit beer, flavored with coriander and orange peel. I haven't tried the beer, and I'm not driving to North Carolina for anything short of the reading of a will. Since White Zombie is primarily sold in kegs, I asked my buddy, name withheld by request, to send a description of the beer. Here's the thing, my buddy is a beer wuss. He drinks commercial beers and is generally happy with them. This is consistent with the kind of guy who doesn't want his name mentioned on a horror podcast. Keep that in mind. I asked him to describe the color. Pale. I asked if that was pale as in light yellow or pale as in bucket. Ha ha, he answered. I asked about the smell. He said it smelled like beer, only citrusy. Then I asked about the head. After the obligatory joke, he told me that the head is white and fluffy. Like a bunny, I asked? Yes, he said, though his answer may have been sarcastic. White Zombie Ale has a sweet taste with hints of spice and citrus. The hops seem balanced and the beer is light. Very light and drinkable. Remember my warning about my friend's taste when you parse that description. The White Zombie Ale logo is pretty cool. It's a cartoon of a zombie in a graveyard. The zombie looks more menacing than brain dead, but that's okay. Zombies are a big tent creature, so there's room for everything from rabies to resurrection. My friend loves White Zombie as a summer beer. He says he once had three in one afternoon. Wow. Sorry I couldn't give your listeners a first-hand account, but it was nice to tie into your movie reviews. After all, I'm not likely to find any the man they could not hang Pilsner, am I? Brian in Colorado.
Corey. What's going on? It's your old pal Root Rot. I just stopped by to say hi. Been look around the place. You've done a little redecorating here, huh? Well, I gotta say, it looks really good, man. I mean, I like the new website and I like the new blog or whatever. But uh, it's kind of funny. You started a new podcast. I mean, really? Midnight Corey? I mean, how narcissistic could you be? Come on, man, really. I mean, when you took the show over, you did a great job. There isn't any question about that. And I'm sure the listeners of the Midnight Podcast would agree that you were the far superior host of the show. And I'm not going to even dispute that. But Midnight Corey, that's the only name you could have come up with is Midnight Corey for your new show? Really? I mean, you're a smart guy, right? I think you are at least, and I'm assuming that when you're doing research or you're trying to come up with a new idea, you write down your ideas. So I'm pretty sure that you did some research prior to picking a name for your new show. I'm sure you did extensive research, and you thought about it long and hard. You know, being the smart guy that you are, you're probably sitting there saying, hey, you know what? I'm Corey, and I'm cool. I think I'm a god amongst the podcast community, especially the horror podcast community. So I think it would only be appropriate that I name my new show something that would reflect how awesome I am. So let me think. Hmm, what can I do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll call the podcast The Corey Graham Podcast. Yeah, that's it. Hold on, let me Google that. Hmm. Oh, I can't do that, because there's that famous hockey player that's named Corey Graham. Well, I guess that idea's out. Plus, I need something that's more identifiable amongst the horror podcast community. Hey, wait a minute. I was the host of the Midnight Podcast, and I think that name's pretty recognizable amongst the horror community. So what I'll do is I'll take out a keyword in that Midnight Podcast, and incorporate it with my name somehow. Hmm, what can I do? How about Podcast Corey? Hmm, no, that doesn't sound good. Uh, how about Midnight Graham? No, that sounds like I'm getting a letter in the middle of the night. I don't like that one either. I'll call it the Midnight Podcast with Corey Graham with absolutely no affiliation whatsoever to Root Rot podcast. Man, that'd be a huge, huge, huge URL to type in. I, I couldn't do that. Man, that'd be like 40 letters. That's, that's too much. Hmm. How can I condense that? I got it. Midnight Corey. I will take Midnight out of the Midnight Podcast and I'll incorporate Corey out of Corey Graham. Me, who is essentially a god. And by no way, shape, or form will I have anything to do with that fucking root rot. God, I'm so glad to get rid of that guy. I mean, he calls me, and he bothers me, and he emails me, asks me all kinds of stupid questions, and I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like, get a life root rot, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure that was your thought process. And that's sad, man, because, you know, ultimately, I consider you my best friend. 
and in fact, I love you. As much as it hurt when I saw that you called the show Midnight Cory, I realized it was a practical decision. I mean, essentially, you want to branch out on your own. You want to do your own thing, and I get it. But at the end of the day, I still think that I'm part of your life. I mean, I wear that underwear you bought me, like, all the time, every day. I mean, I clean it and stuff, but whatever. It's just sad, dude. I mean, it really, 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 really hurts. And I feel that the only way I'm going to get through to you is if I send you some kind of audio. I mean, I love you so much. I mean, I think about you, like, all the time. I'm like, I wonder what Corey's doing. I wonder if he's, like, taping something or he's filming some new video for his movie he's gonna make and I'm like he's making a movie he doesn't even tell me about it I mean it, I mean that, that hurt man it's like really I'm trying my hardest here I mean I put forth so much more in this relationship than you do Corey I just don't get it it just doesn't seem fair it really doesn't every day every day I mean how many times do I email you a day like 30 I call you at least 10 and I leave a message, I'm like, hey, you know, it's cool if you don't call back, but I just want to check in, make sure everything's okay. You know, what, what are you doing? I tell you what I'm wearing, I tell you what my day was like. Sometimes I just call and cry. I mean, it's, this is how I am, because I care about you, man. But I am absolutely certain that this audio grievance that I'm going to send you, that you may or may not put on the show, will clear up my distaste for the whole Midnight Cory thing. I mean, I'm not going to stop loving you. That's already been established. And the fact that this relationship, our relationship, may be a bit one-sided. But you got to look at the big picture. You and I make, like, the world go round. That's all we need is Corey and Root Rock. Period. Period. I mean, I'm truly running out of spots on my arm to cut. I mean, really, I mean, you know that. I sent you the blood. I sent you that jar of blood. I mean, what'd you do with it? I told you to drink it so I can be in you. But I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you filed it amongst the other fan mail I gave you in the garbage. Really hurts, man. So. Anyways, uh, yeah, great show. Talk to you later. Bye. Root rot, root rot, root rot. I, I, I thought you knew that podcasting is all about ripping somebody off. I mean, <laughs> the last thing podcasting is about is originality. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I picked up on that right away. And that's how I operate, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I don't have any original ideas. And I just look to other podcasts... Um, to what other podcasters have done, kind of what's hip and cool and trendy at the moment, and that's what I do. Uh, I, I don't try to really add anything of my own, um, and even yourself, come on, come on, you were riding the coattails of the Real Horror Podcast. I mean, come on, Mike and Mike, yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, that's that's what it was. <laughs> And then pretty much everybody since has, and actually everybody since who is horror podcasting has either ripped you off or, uh, you know, real horror off. So yeah, what can you do? <laughs> but yes. So I am enjoying the ride here. Uh, thank you, Root Rot, for, you know, um, you know, letting me do what I do today. <laughs> I don't know.
But yeah, I never, I, I know I never call you back. I never, ever call you back. I look at my phone, I'm like, it's root rot. God. And I, I just don't answer. You know, it's, uh, uh, what can you do? You know, I, I'm a busy man. I have things more important than, uh, you know, talking to, the, you know, podcasters. So, <laughs> dude, thanks for uh, Thanks for the audio clip. And uh, the witch's hat, I, I'm actually, I, I love the witch's hat and what you're doing there. And a lot of people are liking it. I like the audio stuff you're doing and, and everything, everything, man. So it's good to hear from Root Rot. I've got to get my aunt off this island. She's been this way ever since we came here. I'm just afraid if we don't get away soon, something dreadful is going to happen to all of us. the zombies 1941 we're into the 40s here again and uh we went through the 30s you know we saw kind of the birth of the zombie movie with white zombie and then some sequels and some spin-offs of that and uh, now we're at the point where hollywood is really starting to pick up on this and they're really uh, d- deciding that they can cash in on the zombie so we've seen a few like that already and king of the zombies here from 1941 is certainly no exception now This movie I already had on DVD. Uh, This was part of my Living Dead collection of nine movies, and it's I've had this sitting around for years and years. Actually, my friend bought it for me for Christmas a while back, and it is you know kind of a nice little collection to have, despite the fact that most of it sucks. But the highlights include things like uh, House by the Cemetery, which I I do enjoy because it's Fulci and, uh, you know, the first time I saw it was in this collection. So, yeah, it's not the greatest Fulci movie ever. Um, But, uh, hey, you know, I can still enjoy that. So House by the Cemetery, uh, Last Man on Earth, of course, Vincent Price. I've seen that a million times, but uh, I don't think I ever had it on DVD before I had it here. So that's nice. And, of course... The uh, obligatory (laughs) movie that all public domain horror collections must have, and that is Night of the Living Dead, which I've never watched it from this collection because uh, I have much better versions of it. But thank God I have yet a sixth copy of Night of the Living Dead sitting there. So anyhow, (laughs) King of the Zombies is one of these movies, and um, I would have sworn to you before this week, I would have sworn to you that I have seen this before. 
but it, it turns out that I've never have seen it. Uh, I watched it and it was completely new to me. Uh, so for some reason, I, I realized that I keep getting this one mixed up with Revolt of the Zombies. And because uh, I have Revolt on DVD also, and for some reason I just think, I don't know, I get them switched. I thought this was going to be a much more serious movie, but uh, it, it really isn't. So just a little background on King of the Zombies. Uh, they originally wanted Bela Lugosi for the role of the main bad guy, but that didn't happen. So uh, they tried to get Peter Lorre for the part. But that never happened either. So two big names down the toilet. Uh, so they settled on this guy who just kind of resembled Lugosi uh, in the right light, whose uh, name is Henry Victor. And uh, which is actually a really funny thing, because I didn't find that out until after I had watched this movie. And the first time that I saw Victor appear on screen, I immediately thought of Lugosi. I'm like, this guy is cast in this role because he looks like Bella Lugosi. And I was 100% right. They wanted Lugosi in it originally. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is really, it's a, it's a low-budget cash-in film for the notorious Monogram Studio. Now, Monogram was one of the Poverty Row studios that we had back during this period of time. Um, there were studios that were a whole lot more interested in quantity than quality. They just churned out cheap movie after cheap movie after cheap movie. And they managed to make enough profit on them somehow to squeak by and make the next movie. And it was just a crazy, crazy process. So yeah, they made bad movies. Um, and it, it, what this one is, it's a ripoff of The Ghost Breakers, which I reviewed last week, the Bob Hope film. Um, so, you know, during this time, like I said, Hollywood was seeing the zombie as a really cheap way of making a horror film, which is also, by the way, the attitude of a lot of uh, filmmakers today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, even back then, even more so because they hardly used any makeup and effects in these movies. And the zombie, you know, you just have a guy with a blank stare on his face and hey, there's your zombie. So that's what it was. It, it was just a, a cash in, a rip off. It ripped off the comedy of the Ghost Breakers. It ripped off. Well, it took the racial themes that uh, we saw, and I never even addressed those last week. But there's a lot of racial things going on between blacks and whites and things like that. Um, but, uh, King of the Zombies just really amplified the whole racial thing. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention that a little bit. I, I don't really get into racial issues here on the show. But before I, I go into it like that, uh, let me tell you what it's about. We have a plane crash. These three guys are in a plane. They're flying over the Caribbean and they crash on this island. They don't know what island it is because they've lost navigational uh, tools and things like that or, or capabilities. So uh, on the plane uh, is the pilot, Mac, uh, some guy named Bill, and his black servant named Jeff. <laughs> and uh, so they crash land, but they're okay. They find a mansion, and they go in, and uh, the mansion's owner, Dr. Sanger, is more than happy to help them out. Actually, very disturbingly happy to help them out. And uh, the whole place is pretty spooky. And eventually, as we go through the movie, we find out that this doctor has been using uh, what seems like voodoo and actually hypnotism to make a whole bunch of zombie servants. And it turns out that the zombies really aren't zombies at all, but they're just under the hypnotic spell of the doctor. And it's great. The hypnosis in this movie uh, is by means of the swinging watch. <laughs> I just love that. You're getting very sleepy. Watch the swinging watch. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what we got here. And I love it. So is this a zombie movie then, really? And uh, I think that, yes, it is a zombie movie. And the only reason I say that is because that they are apparent zombies throughout. Because uh, actually, there's a lot of talk in the movie about zombies being those brought back from the dead. And for a long time in the movie, you think that these are actually zombies. They've, they're living dead. So, you know, and in the end, it turns out that they're not. But for most of the time, you believe that they are, and it defines what a zombie is. So there it is. Uh, yeah, it's very, very similar to the, uh, the feel and the comedy and everything of the Ghost Breakers. Although it doesn't do it quite so well. I'd rather watch the Ghost Breakers than this one. Uh, the comedy was pretty much exclusively, you know, the, the goofy black man, you know, the bumbling black man who's the servant and doesn't really know his place. And he is the main, main focal point of this movie. Um, and like I said, it wasn't so prominent like this at all in The Ghost Breakers, but we have a lot of commentary and, and kind of the attitude of this period in time of relations between whites and blacks. And while this was in the Caribbean, it had less to do with kind of America versus the Caribbean islands and these exotic islands and more to do with just whites versus black in general. And it was a much more Americanized kind of version of the Caribbean thing. So yeah, and that might bother a lot of people. It doesn't bother me because I realize, you know, it's it's place in history and kind of that that's the way it was. I'm not making a moral judgment one way or another. I'm just taking it for what it is here. And uh, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing, you know, it, it was it was okay. It was okay, I guess. Um, don't go looking for this real hard. If you can't find it right away, don't look at it. You know, believe it or not, and this is what gets me here, is that this movie was a success by Poverty Rose standards back when it was released here in the, in the 40s. And get this, it was even nominated for an Academy Award for Best Score by some fluke. <laughs> no, it didn't win. It was going up against, like, you know, Citizen Kane and a lot of huge movies. So it really had no chance. But it was nominated. It was a movie that was made very cheaply. It was a rip-off movie out of Poverty Row and uh, nominated for this Academy Award. So go figure. Go figure. Audiences actually enjoyed this. They liked the over-the-top comedy of the bumbling black man. And uh, they actually, I guess, thought it was very genuinely scary. Although there wasn't much scary about it, you know? We see these hypnotized zombie things going around a lot in this spooky mansion. And some weird things happening. Some things they say are ghosts and, and whatever. But, uh, yeah. But anyhow, for its point in time, I mean, for being back in the 30s, being kind of your classic monster movie, I guess it's somewhat of an enjoyable film. Although it's not that great as far as the zombie movie goes. Uh, brought nothing new to the zombie genre, that's for sure. So its place in history goes down as a rip-off cash-in movie. <laughs> you know, it stole everything it had from previous films. So there you go. But there is a sequel. Of course, you know, it was somewhat successful. So they're like, we gotta make a sequel. And that is Revenge of the Zombies from 1943. And that'll actually be my next review next week even though there were uh, a, a couple zombie movies, I think, made by other companies and everything. In between these two, we're going to jump right to Revenge of the Zombies from 43. Oh, so yeah, King of the Zombies. Yeah, I'm glad I got it for Christmas, and uh, it was part of this big pack of movies. 
um, I guess I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10, and it's only because of that, that uh, the charm of the 30s and 40s and uh, the black and white monster thing, and it was just okay. Another, another good Halloween movie to put in. Put this in right after the Ghost Breakers and just let them go back to back during your party there. And uh, it's another child-safe movie. You know, your kids can watch it and everything. Not a big deal. But, uh, yeah, so 6 out of 10, and uh, we're going to move forward next week with the sequel. Do you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like Wolves Kebab for Frenich? Get Frenich, Boots, 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 Hey, Corey, this is um, Zombie Freedom. I wanted to call to um, let you know that there's a movie that kind of, um, I think it would be in your interest. It's about Hunter S. Thompson. Um, Thompson. Thompson. Um, I uh, watched it a week ago, and it's on Netflix Instant. Uh, it's called Buy the Ticket, Take the Ride, and it's actually a very good movie. Um, I think you would, you would really enjoy it, uh, mainly because of the way he thinks and his, his thoughts were very, I mean, very different, and some people liked his ideas and some people didn't. And in the last podcast that you did, uh, it was interesting when you're talking about how on Twitter people get upset about a lot of things you say, and I just feel that sometimes Hunter S. Thompson, he was the same way. He, um, many people did not like his views, and uh, sometimes it's good to be different, and it's okay uh, that you're not popular with some people on Twitter. But uh, I, don't know, I thought you would be interested in, in watching that, and like I said, it's called Buy the Ticket, Take the Ride by Hunter S. Thompson. And um, it's really a good movie. I definitely recommend it. Uh, like I said, it's on Netflix Instant. And that's about it. By the way, your show is really good. And uh, uh, the Friday 13th episode, actually, it was probably one of my favorites. <laughs> okay. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. Zombie Frida, you have just qualified for, like, ultimate coolness in my book. Um, because, first of all, you are 100% right. <laughs> you are completely correct. And everything. And I appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, when a lot of people don't get me and a lot of people are offended by me and they say how angry I am and uh, things like that. Yeah, it may be a little bit of the anger and stuff may be there, but I am really amplifying it for the Internet because I don't know why. It's just kind of like a, a, a thing that I do. And it, it's funny to me. It is really, really funny to me. So if you want to kind of understand uh, what has kind of molded me into the kind of person I am today. There are two people that I can direct you to, and one of them would be Hunter S. Thompson. And it is so cool that you brought that up. I actually never heard of that film, and I'm going to go check it out. And you have inspired me to do a kind of a Hunter S. Thompson uh, theme in a string of podcasts here coming up that at some point. It's going to be sometime after... The whole uh, Frank Henenlotter uh, theme that I'm going to have going. But uh, I want to look at a lot of the movies that have been made about him. I'm going to look at the Rum Diaries. I want to look at some of the books and go through that kind of thing. And just look at Hunter S. Thompson. Because that, <laughs> that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Killed himself here a few years ago. He just couldn't, couldn't handle it anymore. And I, I don't blame him. Man, he was very, very deep, very insightful and perceptive, and uh, also had a lot of issues at the same time. <laughs> but he has been a huge influence on my outlook, on my way of thinking, and uh, yeah. And even though I don't agree with every single thing that Hunter Thompson has said or done, 
Um, I, I'm, I'm more saying that because of the spirit of things and uh, the attitude and the general feel. So, yeah, Hunter S. Thompson, but I'm going to look that up. So thank you, Zombie Frida. And uh, also, also, um, you know, a lot of my stuff is influenced by Andy Kaufman. I mean, I love that guy. Absolutely. Uh, Andy Kaufman, I think, is one of the greatest comedians ever. And, uh, man, his sense of humor, is I, I, I get it. I understand it exactly because that's my sense of humor also. You know, it's like... I don't even know really what funny is. You know, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny for me. And I'm trying to do things that I think is funny. But no one else in the world may think it's funny. And that's that's fine because I don't even know what I'm going for here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But if you look into the life of Andy Kaufman, the things that he did, the things that he said, um, that's had, had a huge, huge influence on me. Because that uh, he, he just lines up with that. So anyhow, Zombie Frida, thank you. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate all the comments. You, you are a very, very intelligent lady. First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the Creator. We visited a curse. few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bob. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. I promised some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... They're learning. They're actually learning. Their world fell apart. This here piece of original music that I'm going to play for you this week, you may have heard already. Um, I, this was another one of my uh, uh, Podcast M songs here. And uh, again, this one is completely different than anything you've heard so far. Uh, and uh, I did end up playing this on the Midnight Podcast at one point. So you may have heard this before, but I'm going to play it again. Because I'm in charge here. I can do what I want. <laughs> so... Here you go. Um, I don't think I ever gave this one a formal title, so I'm going to call this one Bass. So here we go. Enjoy Bass.
Hey, Corey, this is Alan. Uh, I called in a few times on the old podcast. Uh, man, it's good to hear you back on the air. Uh, I'm to call sooner, but it's been a really shitty summer. But, uh, you know, just having the new podcast on, that's been pretty cool. Anyway, uh, really enjoying the overview of zombies and film and stuff. And uh, just keep having good work on the new podcast, man. Uh, have a good one. Bye. Dude, thanks for calling in. I remember you calling into the Midnight Podcast before. You're very, very cool. I love your accent, by the way. It's, it's very, very awesome. <laughs> I, I really appreciate accents. I just like them. And uh, so, yeah, I, I thank you for keeping me on your podcast list, you know, podcasts that you listen to, because a lot of people, I don't think, listen to me anymore because <laughs> they can't handle it. They can't handle the truth, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but dude dude it was good to hear from you and please call again yeah. i had contact with extraterrestrial beings my brother when you're abducted by beings you go to three encounters close encounters of the first kind close encounters of the second kind and close encounters of the third kind you see i had all three we've come to the end of another show oh boy oh boy oh boy everybody's happy about that especially me yes i have work to do important things Yes, I'm being summoned by important people to do work. <laughs> so, anyhow. Uh, next week, I'm going to be telling you about the sequel to King of the Zombies, which was Revenge of the Zombies. That's 1943. Uh, yes, yes. And also, I'm going to be reviewing a newer, a much newer movie. And it's something that is very gory. Something that falls under the category of extreme Asian gore. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is going to be Meat Grinder. It's a film from 2009 that just got or is just getting an uncut release on DVD in the UK by 4Digital Media on August 23rd. So, yeah. So by the time I podcast that, it's already going to be out. So watch for it. It's like this Monday or Tuesday here coming out in the UK. So, yeah, that is Meat Grinder. I haven't watched it yet. But I am going to watch it, and I am going to tell you about it. Give you my thoughts on it. So you're going to want to hear that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, looking to the future, I'm going to be working on my movie, hopefully getting into some real big production here on uh, scenes, and uh, I just got to let the beard grow in, like I've been saying. I got to look different in different roles, so the way I'm accomplishing that is growing a beard. Going all Grizzly Adams here, and my wife is loving it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding about that. She hates the beard, so whatever. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be working on the movie, and I'm going to be working on a couple themes for podcasting here. I'm still going to be doing my zombie march through history. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun, and I want to keep going with that. So that's going to go for a long time. we got plenty of movies to look at there. But uh, also, kind of other things I'm going to be looking at are going to be the Frank Hennenlauter films, and uh, Basket Case, Brain Damage, Frankenhooker, all of those. And in another theme, thanks to Zombie Frida, is going to be looking at Hunter S. Thompson, one of the greatest, greatest writers of the 20th century. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, keep that in mind. And if you have any suggestions for uh, things to do along those lines, I'd be happy to hear them. Or just suggestions for anything else, like, uh, you know, email me, uh, Corey at midnightcory.com. Of course, midnightcory.com is my website. You can call the voicemail of death at 814 806 2828. And let me know what you're thinking. Thank you for listening, guys. You're all fantastic. And I'll talk to you again here really, really soon.